What does it mean that you've built an amazing environment around yourself with a community around yourself where you feel at ease, satisfied, happy with life? This is Hugi Eskjersson, and he believes he has the answer. It probably means that you consume less. It probably means you have a need to travel less. It probably means that you are no longer as interested in buying a house on the French uh, you know, Riviera or something like that. You become more invested in your own space, more invested in your own community. It has much bigger systematic effects than one perhaps realizes. Hugge is the founder of Blivande, a center for participatory culture and art in Stockholm. And as you can hear, he has a different take on the fight against climate change. Of course, a lot of action must be taken at the top levels of international politics and among multinational companies. And also in our personal lives, be it through buying secondhand clothes or eating less meat. But who could thinks there's another perspective? Change your general mindset to focus on social cohesion in your local community, and that will have a major impact on the climate in itself. I think that this is often overlooked issue to tackle when it comes to tackling climate change. Why? Because so much, I think, of our consumerist behavior that is driving, of course, uh, this this catastrophe, um, in some ways comes from our lack of meaning. I mean, we we overconsume and we uh, build the material world around us to an excess degree, perhaps much because uh, there are not uh, interior motivators within our social structure that really satisfy and, and fulfill us. So how do we change our mindset? Well, we might find some answers in Stockholm, Jevle, and other cities in the Nordics, where several experiments are taking place to provoke a new way of thinking in the quest for a sustainable future. Most of the initiatives include art and culture, since these are some of the best ways to spark new ideas. In this episode, we'll look at how artists, grassroots activists, and other creative minds do their best to help us build sustainable environments in our cities and neighborhoods. I'm Afton Halloran, and you're listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. For me, it really started with the fires in Sweden in 2018. Before that, I was aware and I was you know, working with sustainability in my private life. But that's really when I understood that I suffer from cognitive dissonance, <laughs> where in my private life I can work with sustainability, but then I come to my work where I spend all my time and there's no possibilities for me as a freelance artist to, to get involved in the sustainability work at the theatres. This is Annika Bromberg. She's a set and costume designer, and she's done over 80 productions within theatre and film in Sweden and abroad. And that's also when I started to understand that there aren't any tools, there aren't any methods, there wasn't anything in the performing arts section that we could work with. Annika completed her master's degree in international performing arts and sustainability. She's also a part of a new European expert group developing sustainability guidelines for audiovisual production. And right now, she's working on just that issue at a theater in the Swedish city of Gävle. 
So in Jävle now we are three set designers and uh, together with three other people from the theatre we have um, a sustainability group. So it's really happening a lot on that very small theatre. So I'm super happy for that and I really wish that other uh, theatres in Sweden will take the lead. Along with Hugi, Annika is participating in a Nordic Talks event in Stockholm, arranged by Intercult, an independent resource and production centre for culture, with a focus on European and transnational collaborations. Also taking part in this event is Karen Jonkers from the Netherlands. The basic point is that we need to start raising questions. Questions on, you know, what is the climate exactly? What does it mean to us? And what is this change? What is it about? Because if we don't raise the question, you know, it's, life will continue as ever. And in the meantime, the weather will change. Karen is a grassroots activist. She focuses on sustainability through circular thinking, network development, creativity and innovation. She's an entrepreneur in the company Creolist and works together with city authorities all over the Netherlands to arrange local events. Raising the questions, we also need to do things because uh, raising questions, we can do that on a political level. But when you want to things to land with people, um, we need to do, act, play, uh, eat, have dinners, have you know companies getting getting together and and do things. I'm a kind of doer. I try to invite people for something nice while in the meantime we're doing the, the business that we should be doing. For Karen, it's about raising awareness of what she calls the invisible processes. The big part of this, of this growing problem is the invisible processes that are you know, behind our backs, that are the, the, the big supply chains, the, the, the waste streams, the, you know, all the things we, we don't see while we're just making our cup of coffee and ate, eating an avocado, which you know, takes like thousands of liters of water, which we don't know. We just don't know. And it starts with telling about it. I, I just heard a story last week that um, our prime minister guessed on the question of how much of the greenhouse gases will, do you think, have been put in the air during your lifetime? He guessed, well, perhaps 15%, 20 but it is 80%. When you're around 50, 55, then, you know, you have been there all the time that we put in, the, you know, most, the biggest amount of greenhouse gases. The point is we just don't know. We're not aware. It's, it's, it's in... It's in your laptop, it's in your car, it's in the things you can buy that are, that are important from other countries. You know, part of it is, is telling the story, but also just, you know, trying to, to eat the avocado in a, in a festival with the story, you know, being presented with the avocado with you. And I think there, that's where the performing arts come in. Mm-hmm. That's where entertainment comes in. That's where culture comes in. Mm-hmm. Annika also thinks that culture and the performing arts have a role to play. But that's not necessarily a widespread thought in contemporary society. Often I hear that, that but why should the performing arts uh, deal with sustainability? We, we, are, we are just uh, speaking or we are just, we're not doing so much. We are a very small field. But I, I saw some figures of that the, uh, the entertainment industry in, uh, in uh, Europe is three times bigger than the car uh, industry in Europe. So it's like, no, we are part of a much larger 
uh, industry and we are a part of the society. Because then also when I came to Gävle, I asked, so do the region have any demands for us to work with sustainability? And the answer is no. So that's also my thing to bring out that we should uh, demand that we should work with sustainability. We cannot sit in the back seat and, and, uh, and you know, uh, think that somebody else is going to tell us to do that because nobody's, we have to tell other people. So according to Annika, performing arts venues need to become more environmentally sustainable themselves. Karen also finds this important, and she has this response to Annika. You're the storyteller, yeah. so, so you're the, performing, the f- performing sector are the ones that can bring the stories into, into the community. And the, the, the funny thing you just pointed out, you know, you, you need to be an example yourself. You, so you first have to turn your eyes inward and see what exactly am I doing in terms of you know, greenhouse gases, gasoline, energy consumption, uh, recycling, uh, what can I do? And, and that's already a big study in itself. But then if you, if you have your, your, your food, your material, your energy, your building, if you have all these kind of aspects um, in hand and managed, then, and you don't have to be perfect, of course, but then you can start to also s- tell the story about, about these different sectors. Karen is also telling some of that story herself. One example comes from a festival that she arranged in the Netherlands, a water festival. In this case, the municipality, they've met, you know, all the municipalities, they've got a big challenge because there's, you know, climate change coming upon us. And it means, you know, heavy, heavy rainfalls, but also drought and heat. So the municipalities, it, they need answers to this heat island effect, to the, the, to the abundance of water that come down, can come down. And the, the sewage system right now is not, is not prepared for the amounts that can't come down. And that means that um, not only the municipality needs to, to act by increasing the amount of water that can go into the sewage system, by increasing the area of green public space instead of stone set or, or cement or asphalt uh, surfaces. They also, they also need to in, involve community and say, please take out some of your tiles in your garden, put in more plants so water can, you know, there's a place where water can sip into the ground. Um, and plants, trees, green, will also prevent the heat island effect. So there's, there's many reasons why the municipality needs to involve community. And water, water is a, um, a very uh, carrier of the message. It's a carrier of the message of, of the invisible process of temperature, climate, water, rain. Water is also uh, the basic of all life. So if you talk about the biodiversity crisis going on, which, you know, which is somehow connected to the climate crisis, then water can be a very good carrier. And in this festival, we arranged activities for children, which will involve the parents, activities for the parents and children, like walks and tours and, you know, what can you eat in the wild? What kind of animals are living near the water, the waterfront uh, in in little canals and and ponds? And also just an information market with plants and, and, you know, when people brought a tile, they were given a plant to put in 
the open space just to to make some you know involvement and arrangement to to make it a pleasure a pleasure adventure and not so much like this is serious and we we need to be so serious about it. no let's make it fun that helps and get to the children first then the parents will come along In Stockholm, Hugi uses the same strategies to involve the public at the Center for Participatory Culture and Art. But you could say that he has a bit of an advantage, because people in Sweden are generally ahead of the curve when it comes to understanding the importance of taking care of nature. There is such a clear part of the culture from you're a child to go out and understand that you're allowed to be here, this is your place, but you must take care of it, you must take the trash with you, you cannot throw things around, this is how you can tent, this is how you can not tent, etc., etc. I remember when I was um, when I was a kid in school, one of the most like criminal acts you could almost do as a child was to pick certain flowers. Because certain flowers are not allowed to be picked. And it was almost something you, you learned as uh, well as you learned to not cross uh, a street when there's a red light. Uh, do not pick this flower. Um, and why are we able, I think, to maintain um, those sorts of um, cultural norms inside of Sweden? How did that arise? And I, I have a feeling that it has to do with uh, a culture of, of not just social cohesion, but also a sort of welfare system that supports it and makes sure that people have a sort of um, situation in which they are not, you know, fighting for other things, right? Um, and a quality of life where they feel that they are somehow content to be where they are. Um, so, so countering individualism is always going to be at the root. Okay, so Sweden and the rest of the Nordic countries, for that matter, actually have a frontrunner position when it comes to public support for protecting nature and fighting climate change. And according to Annika, this involves a special responsibility. People ask me, okay, so why should we do something? I mean, Sweden is not going to be floated with water. We are not going to be affected. But uh, we really have to, I mean, the Scandinavian, we have to be front runners in this movement to show and to be a good example, to be, uh, and also because uh, we don't have time for everybody to investigate and to, to uh, uh, get to know everything at the same time. It's better that we share the information and we have uh, people working on different levels. So I, I think it's crucial that we in Sweden and in Scandinavia, we work as fast as we can and that people with uh, less resources can, you know, take take an example from us and to just apply what we are doing. Because I think that's also something with that we have to get more knowledge um, in all the sectors and not just in performing arts, uh, but also we have to find ways to share this information. Uh, so that we can easily hook onto each other. Mm. And these um, systems has to be created now. And of course, it's important that all new knowledge is shared immediately so that others can implement the ideas without delay. We can't afford having to recreate these things again and again and again just because somebody 
is very protective of their solution or their ID or their tool or their platform. It, it, we don't have time for this. We have to collaborate and we have to keep everything open. We need to find other ways to monetize than to protect the thing that we have created just because we're afraid of losing it. Let's hope that will be the case, that everyone is willing to share new findings or solutions with the rest of the world. But this raises the next question, how to communicate it. Should it be done digitally? Well, according to Hugi, there's a problem here. The digital landscape today is incredibly noisy. And I think what we have to understand is that, you know, we're, we're no longer in a situation in Europe where people do not know about climate change. We're no longer in a situation where people are unaware of that our lifestyles is having an impact. Um, that is not really the communicational problem, I feel. The communicational problem is really much more, I think, transformative from the inside. It has to be a felt sense of like, what is the consequence of non-action? And, and doing that through um, communication, through technology, is, is very, very hard because you sitting at your screen, getting that felt sense is, is incredibly difficult. Um, but I think that the way, of course, in which we can do it is to um, use technology to sense, make, and link things together. Um, the effects that you are feeling today from the migration crisis is completely linked to climate change. Whenever you are complaining about this, you are complaining about climate change and you need to understand that. You, you, and making those sorts of links, technology can, of course, be used. Uh, but today, I would say that technology is almost the same, like books can be used. I mean, it's such a wide range. So spreading a message through technology is not enough in itself. As Hugi points out, it's mostly about the content, about the stories that are being told. As we've heard today, art and culture can play a huge role here. But take me, for example, I'm not an artist. What can I do as an individual to raise awareness? And in such a way that my neighbors feel it in their everyday lives? And what can we all do together in our own communities? This is Karen. My best advice is um, reach out to your neighbors. Invite them for a drink or a fika, I should say, or a coffee or a beer, would, would it be in the Netherlands? Um, and, you know, st start connecting with them again. Because that's where, that's where lots of solutions come from. That's where lots of questions are. And that's where, I, and, and that's the other point I wanted to make. And that's where value is to be found. And that's not monetary value, but it's, it's life quality value. And, and putting something together, you know, as a, you know, in small, as a community. So my best suggestion is, you know, reach out to your neighbors, make the WhatsApp group for the street, uh, start to, you know, find, to find together the questions and the answers in the street, in your building, in the area. Annika points to something that could be done specifically within the world of performing arts. I would like to uh, give an example. I saw two days ago that uh, Rufus Norris, who is an uh, uh, artistic director of National Theatre in London, he uh, came out in an article and said that uh, he is going to start to, the theatre is going to start to pay uh, directors, uh, set designers and other artists for their work with sustainability at the theatre. And I just think that's, so I, I want to raise the, 
the leaders to take their um, responsibility in this question so that uh, other artistic directors also uh, gives uh, pays the artist to do that work because in that way we would get uh, much more done faster and um, yeah let's see what kind of art comes out of that because I think that would be really interesting. And finally Hugi has this advice for every one of us. If you don't have a big idea to to save the world or to make everyone aware of something, that is fine. You're probably even going to make more of an impact just acting very locally with the people around you if that's what you're connected to. So I would say never think that some action around you is too small to do. Like that, that is... Uh, the, the, the sort of thing that can make us very complacent and very fatalistic. And you don't have to solve so everyone doesn't use plastic straws. A better thing might actually be to just organize your community around making it more beautiful, more livable, more thrivable for you and the ecosystems around you. Uh, that might even have a bigger effect. I'll really try to remember that, that it can make a huge difference for the climate if I just change my mindset if I go local, interact with my neighbors, strive for social cohesion in my near surroundings. Maybe it will lead to a situation where I'm traveling less, consuming more responsibly, or making greener choices in general. If art and culture takes the lead, as Hugi, Annika, and Karen encourage us, I'm sure lots of other people will be open to changing their mindsets as a way to help the climate. sure to follow Nordic Talks on Instagram and LinkedIn. You'll get the latest information on upcoming events, new podcast episodes, and much more. I'm Afton Halloran. Thanks for listening. <laughs>